It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. everyone, I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from Gadigal, Sydney. I'm Mari Forth. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can find this fine program along with all the fantastic reality TV content by subscribing to robhasawebsite.com slash feed. That's R-H-A-P-U-P-S. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our feed as well. Please go to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays. If you're already subscribed, thank you very much. Sarah, what did we watch this week? Mari, for episode 69, we watched How to Become a Cult Leader. The six nice. Part- yes, thank you. <laughs> I was just about to say it too. <laughs> yes, I was waiting for a nice. Can I hear a nice? Uh, How to Become a Cult Leader is a six-part docuseries on Netflix. It's narrated by Peter Dinklage and it's the follow-up to the 2021 series, How to Become a Tyrant. Sun Tzu in The Art of War said, a good commander is benevolent and unconcerned with fame. So joining us today is our benevolent leader, the podfather himself, Rob Sestanino. Robbo, welcome to the scene. Yes, thank you. Oh my God, I learned so much. This is great. <laughs> Yeah. Are you halfway towards your occult now, Rob, or 75%? Yes. Yes. Okay. So thank you. Yeah. I really do appreciate uh, like uh, the, this was a very fun show. I really enjoyed uh, how to be a cult leader um, and uh, looking forward to getting into all of it with you. Fantastic. So let's hop straight into uh, the six part series is on Netflix, as I said, and don't be scared because each episode is a very brief 30 minutes or fewer. Each episode focuses on a cult leader, but refers to many others, just as in the series How to Become a Tyrant. First up, it's Charles Manson and the Manson family, active in the late 1960s and early 1970s. And regular listeners will remember that we reported recently 73-year-old Leslie Van Houten, a follower of Charles Manson who was convicted of two killings, was released on parole finally. She was 19 when she joined Manson's cult, The Family, and she had been in prison for 53 years. Four Manson family members remain in prison, ranging in age from 75 to 80. Then the Reverend Jim Jones and his People's Temple. In Guyana in 1978, Jones orchestrated the mass murder of his followers. This is often referred to as a mass suicide, with cyanide and tranquilizer dissolved into Flavorade. Uh, next up is Jaime Gomez and his Buddhafield cult of celibacy and enlightenment through service to the guru. Uh, that guru is himself, of course. Buddhafield operated in the 1980s and 1990s until a former high-ranking member blew the whistle in 2006, alleging abuse, harassment and sexual assault, themes that we see again and again in these episodes. Then we meet Marshall Applewhite, whose Heaven's Gate cult completed mass suicide in 1997 in order to ascend to meet the UFO, which they believed was following the tale of the comet Halibop. And spoiler, an ex-member, well, a, 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 an ex-member? Is he ex? Because he thinks they actually did. Mm-hmm. Episode five covers Shoko Asahara and the Aum Shinrinkyo doomsday cult. Uh, In 1995, members carried out a deadly sarin gas attack in the Tokyo subway, killing 13 and injuring over 5,000. And the series finishes with the Reverend Sun Young Moon and his Unification Church. His followers were referred to by outsiders as Moonies, and uh, Moon was famous for his mass weddings. So that's a slightly happier end than mass deaths of the other (laughs) cults. Along the way, the series also references David Koresh of the Branch Davidians, Warren Jeffs of the FLDS, 
Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh and the Rajneeshi, David Berg and the Children of God, and Australian cult leader Anne Hamilton Berg of the family. The top, the top 10 there, the top 20 of, of world cult leaders. <laughs> Rob, why don't you start us <laughs> off? What were your overall thoughts on the series and these, these well, people? Sure. This is like a pretty, like a serious subject matter, but I really did enjoy uh, just sort of like uh, the way that the show had fun with the subject matter as much as you possibly could. Uh, It was very much a lighthearted, like easy watch uh, where you certainly could imagine a universe where this was much more heavy handed. And so I had known like a lot of the names that were discussed in this, but I really did not know too much about the specific details of a lot of these uh, different cults. So I just, I love this. This was like a really, I I don't want to be trite, but this was very, very fun. (laughs) No, no arguments from me. No arguments from me at all. (laughs) Mari, what about you? What were your overall thoughts before we dive in? Yeah, same. It it's a way of like teaching people in in a way that I don't think people understand they're learning. It was the same thing with how to how to become a tyrant. It's like, oh, we're giving you the metaphorical handbook in order for you to kind of watch out for the signs. It's not like we're not literally telling you to please go out and start a cult. It's like just be aware of this is what leads you to, you know, um, what leads to cults. And then on top of that, I love how they focus on like one cult or one, a uh, one cult leader per episode while also bringing in examples of how other cults do it, because it, it just goes to show you again, like this isn't stuff that happens by circumstance. This is, this is a tried and true playbook of how people, can try and control minds of followers and stuff like that. It was it's it is very fun, very easy, a very easy watch. And I I feel like I even learned um some things I did not know about the Butterfield uh cult. So I, I really like this. Or the Moonies su- surprisingly too. I didn't know oh, about the Moonies. That is surprising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't know about them. So I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I liked um, how to become a tyrant. So I was looking forward to this thinking, well, they hit it out of the park once. I love the format. I love, I mean, we don't like reenactments, but the reenactments in this are animations. So I yeah. love that. Well, I do think that Netflix, uh, that seems to be like a go-to uh, in a lot of the different, I don't know if it's come up in uh, some of the uh, different documentaries that you've covered, but like the most recently, the American Gladiators documentary uh, mm-hmm. that we talked about that there was a lot of like animated reenactments. So it does seem like that Netflix has a team of animators on standby. Yeah. And the the very simple gestural artwork, but the people depicted look like the people they're supposed to look like, which is, I think, you know, quite a feat. And they obviously have a huge research department for film clips because they use all manner <laughs> of old film clips, things from films, documentaries, news, cartoons Mm -hmm. to illustrate a point and really draw you along as you watch. And, yes, Mari, same, you're learning as you go. (laughs) But nobody apart from Brian of Nazareth is an accidental messiah and I think that's one of the key takeaways that the, the people that they focus on worked at it, often worked at other jobs. Three of them were in the entertainment industry prior to becoming the heads of cults. So that's something that's a bit a bit sobering. Rob, nobody should have a favorite cult leader, but what was your mm-hmm. favorite episode or the one that intrigued you the most? So I think the one that I probably was most interested on was uh, the Jim Jones, uh, because I feel like that that was a name that I certainly knew. And I knew like, uh, uh, like how Jonestown ended, but I don't think I had ever heard that story before. Whereas I feel like that, Certainly, mm. Charles Manson, uh, I had known about, and uh, really the Marshall Applewhite, you know, that that whole thing was such a big news event uh, when mm-hmm. it happened. So I, I sort of, I, I knew that one pretty well. So uh, yeah, the Jonestown stuff was, uh, was really wild uh, that, you know, they give you like such an extensive background into how almost every single person like failed at something else before they became yeah. a, a cult leader. And I thought that was so interesting where it's like, yeah, if somebody would have just given them a break, 
uh, and <laughs> the, like this whole like massacre could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. That's Mari, which one intrigued you the most? Was it the Buddha field? Um, the Buddha field intrigued me just because like I had no idea about it. Um, but I still felt like I didn't know enough about it. I think the one that I did like the most was probably the unification church one because i didn't know about that and i thought it was a a really interesting end i i i didn't know the inner workings of that one and it makes me want to go and look at it more but i do think all of the episodes were were really good the um shinrikyo one i i thought was done very well for such an extensive cults like that there's a lot that goes that goes on with um shinrikyo and for them to cover it so well in the 30 plus minutes that they have i I found that very uh done very well and and like rob said i really did like a lot of the uh the the background of most of the uh, most of the the cults i like that they didn't just go with the parts that you knew about the cults like uh with uh, the the heaven's gate just starting with like the deaths they started 20 years before that i really really liked that that uh aspect so these were well-paced episodes really well done yeah i mean it's, it's interesting if you've watched how to become a tyrant that there are connective threads to mm-hmm. the methods obviously and i liked seeing that very much what was different here is we have ex-members of almost mm. all the cults and i really enjoyed meeting them what was notable, I think, about all of them is none of them hang their heads in shame. They've obviously done some mm-hmm. very good therapy. They say, this is what I believed. This is what I did. This is what happened to me. And I liked that tone of sort of factuality. That's not a word. But also at the end, when they look at us straight through the lens and say, yep, it could happen to you. Don't don't get on your high horse. Uh Murray, who who impressed you among these mm, survivors, shall we say? Yeah, survivors. Yeah, Honestly, are, you know, literally survivors. Like, yeah, literally. Yeah. Yes. Not out of like massacres. Yes. 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 I actually really liked, honestly, everybody, to be quite honest. Uh, I did all of the survivors, but I'm pretty sure Amanda Montel the author of Cultish. I, I, I'm pretty sure she's the podcaster from the Cultish podcast that I, I had recommended on uh, on an episode. So uh, it was really cool seeing her there. I thought, again, the Buddhafield, I think they had two former cult members from the Buddhafield, Christopher Johnston and Will Allen. Uh, I think both of them, there were four altogether from the Buddhafield, but the two of them, Will Allen and Christopher Johnston, um, their reveal at the end, where it's like, oh, the Buddhafield cult was all about like celibacy and enlightenment, and then the two of them revealing, oh, but we were sleeping with the cult, the the cult leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's just so it's so interesting what each one of these different cult leaders got their followers to do and to believe. And hearing it from their their own mouths was very, very powerful. No, no talking head was wasted here. Yes. Oh, I agree. We get some that are all the way through. But I must mm-hmm. say, Will Allen is very interesting when they're talking about the cult's cosmetic surgery procedures, which I oh, did man. not know. So mm-hmm. Jaime himself had multiple cosmetic surgery procedures. But we learned that he liked to test those out on his followers first just to see how they'd look. Will Allen is looking at us directly through the camera. You go, yeah, you look very like him. He didn't say overtly <laughs> that he'd had the surgeries, but but one wonders if he did. He made a documentary himself called Holy Hell, uh, which mm-hmm. I'm interested in looking for. Rob, these ex-cult members, how did they strike you? Yeah, well, for some of the people, like it was great to sort of like see them sort of like uh, in this like lucid state of like, uh, yeah, we they told us this and like we didn't question it. But yeah, I guess that's that's pretty wild. Ultimately, you know, uh, it's amazing the people that like got out as, you know, specifically like the people that were at Jonestown, like at, mm-hmm. at one point people that left the, you know, different cults that ended in, you know, uh, just like a, you know, mass suicide of everybody that was there. So 
yeah, it's uh, just wild to get these firsthand accounts because there's very few of them. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, or very few of them that speak up because people cover it up or they go they go to another cult. That's the other thing. And I'm not blaming them at all. It's just something that these people are very, very clever at doing. I mean, I was thinking about, I mean, these are these big, well-known cult leaders who demanded extraordinary things from their from their followers and and there's death and there's destruction and murder and suicide and awful things. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking of like small cult leaders, like the way some teachers behave, let's say. Uh, I was at art school in the early 80s and we had the head of the, the school was a very charismatic person. And when I got into first year, very excited, and on the first or second day, it was a small school, the second year women said, we'd like to talk to all the first year women. And we were like, oh, how intriguing. They're like, yeah, he's going to sleep with all of you, sleep with all of us. And that idea of the held knowledge, uh, so the teacher, cult leader says, I have this knowledge. I'm I'm the Mm -hmm. wizard. I'm, I'm the magic. And if you come to me and behave correctly, I will give it to you. And I think we see this in in teachers and and other leaders to a greater or, or lesser extent. I mean, I know myself coaching swimming and I'm standing on the pool and they're all looking up at me like, mm-hmm. you have this knowledge and please. So uh, trying to create a community learning environment rather than handing down knowledge. But it can be intoxicating, Rob, to be the leader of a group. <laughs> Well, you know, um, Sarah, with, uh, you know, great power comes great responsibility. And, Ah, uh, you know, it's very, very important to uh, try to remember at all times. Yes. Stay (laughs) humble. Stay humble. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was wondering, and Rob, perhaps you can illuminate this, is survivor players, like the really good survivor players. Were you seeing any echoes? Oh, so, you know, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I mean, I think that there is like, and we see it in Big Brother also, uh, but there is sort of like this idea. And probably if we take a look back to, not to bring it too much back to Jonestown, uh, but mm-hmm. like look at a situation like, okay, Big Brother 19. And Paul yeah. comes in as this charismatic figure. And really, Survivor Redemption Island is very similar with Boston mm-hmm. Rob of a. Player comes in, returning player. Hey, we are building the, this is our family. Okay. We're going to freeze out the people who are, you know, the people who are not like this. Remember Raven barking like a dog at Jess and Cody who weren't part of the group. You know, Boston (laughs) Rob says, we are all going to sleep over here. We are not talking to the outsiders. We're not allowed to talk to them. If I see anybody talking to them, you're out next. So, yeah, I, I do think that this type of strategy has proven to be very effective for people that come in, especially players that come in in some sort of like uh, with the advantage of being uh, going through it. And, you know, certainly, you know, topical with a player coming back uh, from uh, playing on other shows with Sari playing in uh, Big Brother. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, you know, these are the types of tactics that somebody has to resort to to be able to have success in a game like this when they were a returning player. Yeah. In uh, the first episode, Sarah, didn't we get with Charles Manson when he went to prison, he was able to rent out the book, uh, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Yeah, How to Win Friends yes. and Influence People. Yeah. He was, yeah. Isn't that one of the like the main books, like a lot of uh, reality? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's a, a great one to 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 look at. And interesting that, you know, Charles Manson, uh, like uh, they didn't have that on the book jacket when I read it. a marketing opportunity missed there Mm -hmm. yes yes and king george is just coming out with his book how to win friends and manipulate people so perhaps a a a slightly truer a truer title there but it's Mm -hmm. interesting that you bring up sari because you could say like we're all in the cult of sari i was talking to someone the other day and we were laughing and saying well if i was in a reality competition show with sari i'd just give up my game for her Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not always evil because Sari is good. You know? mm-hmm. And I would follow her into hell or heaven, which is where I think uh, that we might end up. 
Murray, in your life, have you been near cults, tempted by cults? See, in the 70s, let me tell you. you walk down the street, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> you walk down the street and people would come up to you and give you a flower or they would give you a book or they would want to talk to you about your life. Yeah. And it, one of the people talks about how intoxicating the journalist who thought she was above everything and then ended up joining the, joining the cult mm-hmm. talks about how intoxicating it is to have someone's complete and undivided attention. Yeah. The closest I've been to a cult is girl world in the seventh grade. In the seventh grade, we had that one girl who happened to be my best friend, who was the most popular girl in school. And you did what she said, because if you didn't do what she says and she kicked you out of the group, then you were ostracized from everybody. And that that is the closest I've got come to a cult, being a 13 year old girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, young young people are ripe fodder Mm -hmm. you know so there are big ideas there's a feeling that you're not in charge yet but you want to be and there might be a door that's opened rob what about you have you been touched by cults (sighs) um so a little bit in some degrees uh certainly like i was in a fraternity in college Mm -hmm. uh that can be like a little bit of a cult but uh you know there was not necessarily like one like charismatic leader that was Mm -hmm. like at the head of it but sort of like there is sort of like the idea especially when you go through pledging of basically you know you need to put the organization before anything else that's going on in mm-hmm. your life between your school and your friends or, you know, any romantic interests, you have to put uh, the organization first. And so, um, you know, there is, so, there is like uh, some similarities there. Probably the closest thing that I've encountered, like as an adult was um, that I uh, did something uh, called the, uh, uh, I don't even know if I want to name uh what it was called, but uh, <laughs> that basically it was, but it wasn't exactly um uh, a cult, but it was like sort of like marketed as like self help, and mm. it was like a weekend type course. Uh, not to say I didn't like get some positive things out of it, but it was very much like you felt like that there could be like um that there was some like cult-like tendencies in terms of like yeah. you were at like this weekend seminar and you know you had to stay there the whole time and they would give you like uh, instructions to do and there was like group work that you needed to do and so uh that was a little a little bit like that but again uh like and like the teacher was a little bit like of the cult leader and they sort of like uh you know really like uh, were like trying to blow your mind in there Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this edge in there because, you know, meditation is good, makes you feel good. Chanting is very, very, yeah. very nice thing to do because the vibrations in your body. And if you're chanting with a group, you you do feel the energy of the group. You do feel transformed. You do feel opened up to improve yourself or work on yourself, as we've all done. You know, requires things to be perhaps a little painful. I mean, we don't want to be locked in in black holes or dunked Mm -hmm. into water or crawl on the pavement like a lot of the things that we saw. Mm -hmm. But it's not a step much further. So where's that line, Mari, between that improvement, that um, pleasure in community that we might get and a cult? Yeah, we all I think we've talked about it in some of our other properties. It's like yes. it's always that just that thin <laughs> that thin line. It's like you're one side one at one one point you're on this side of the line where it's all just everybody's happy, they're together, we're just, you know, improving ourselves in some aspect. <laughs> and the next thing you look, you're over that line and you're hiding bodies <laughs> or mm-hmm. you're <laughs> you're starving yourself. <laughs> like it's a very fine line. And it's like it's like if only we could just all just stay on this. then it would be fine exactly I would have liked a little bit more about Synanon they they Mm. did reference that there was a fantastic podcast which I'll remember by the time we get to our recommendations recently of someone who was a child in Synanon when her mother joined this was again this idea of improvement a rejection of the trappings of the world. You shave mm-hmm. your head because you shouldn't have vanity. 
what does that uniformity, which we see and which, which, which I think the documentary talks about really well, Rob, uniformity of look, uniformity of uniform, even physically facial hair, hair, no hair, what does that do to a person, do you think? Yeah, well, I think that part of uh, all of these cults uh, mentality is you want to, you know, remove the individuality from everything. Every Everybody is mm-hmm. going to be the same. The cult is about conformity and becoming a, you know, subservient to the wishes of the leader or the organization. So the more individuality that people and more independent thinking uh, that people end up having the uh, more people are going to continue to do their own like independent thinking. Yeah. Mari, the, the army is very good at this too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Both of my parents were in the air force and it, it, it's, it's programming, you know, it, it's a certain level of programming and, you know, at least, you know what you're signing up for when you sign up for the military, you know, uh, I think a lot of these people did not understand what they were um, signing up for when they joined that study group or like Rob said, when they went on that weekend retreat or when they went to that yoga session, like, and it's, I, I just love having people who survived it come and tell you how, how quick it is, because I don't think people realize you don't say, oh, oh, here's a cult. A cult is presented to me. Let me go join this cult. It's such a slow growing, festering thing sometimes that you're just pulled in. And then again, you look up, you're in a cult. You don't even know. Or even worse for some of our some of our survivors, they were born into it, you know, being born into the cult. I liked Teddy Hose, who was a uh, second generation member of the Moonies. His parents met in that cult. They had him. He was born into it. And he talked about the 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 camps that he had to go to as a kid and how to stay pure. And, and one day, you know, his fate, his marriage would be decided by the the father. Like people think it's so easy to not join a cult, but it's true. I don't I don't think it is. I would never be so overconfident to be like, I would never be in a cult. I'm I'm very alert all the time. So I'm always on my toes. You're not going to get me, Colt. Nope, not today. <laughs> I don't think they would get Mari. I, they, no, no way in the world. But we we say this when we've said it before. Nobody joins a cult. Yeah. You find yeah. your, you know, you find yourself in one. It it seemed to me both in how to become a tyrant and here that there was a wry glance towards contemporary things, perhaps happening in your country. Mm-hmm. currently would you like to have seen that hit harder being more obvious or would you not have liked that at all and for it to be left to us to to draw those parallels particularly with tyrant but i think here as well rob so i would was going to say that uh, i i would like to have seen more um of a you know like where where are we going now like uh, our mm-hmm. like our cults happening now um you know the thing that i thought was like you know really scary because you know the thing is you know pretty cheeky about like some of these other cults but then when they got into talking about you know uh some of the uh you know the the japanese cults that were you know that Mm -hmm. got into like sarin gas and looking at like nuclear weapons like oh like this is like a really big threat like from a you know terrorist perspective mm-hmm. of that you could just have like one of these cult leaders that decides hey uh, I'm being disrespected so we need to you know uh, take take it out on society like yeah this is actually like uh, not a very funny thing uh, or something that we can point to it or laugh at like that like comes across as quaint like Charles Manson or mm-hmm. the the Jim Jones uh, who were you know um, you know certainly like not necessarily um, they were doing very serious things, but it wasn't necessarily uh, that they were, you know, uh, plotting a t- major attacks. Mm-hmm. And so that they do mention some things like at the end, but I, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of like, okay, and here's some of the things that are happening now, but in just like thinking it through, that I do wonder if you sort of like risk being polarizing and losing Mm -hmm. um, some of your audience. If you sort of like draw the line between some, you know, some modern day cults. 
Yeah, and, at the t- mm. and you you risk the tone because it yeah. must be said that the mm-hmm. tone of both the series is uh, lighthearted, slightly wrong, but sort of wrong. Tongue in cheek, very tongue in cheek. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I knew there was a mm-hmm. word for it. Mm-hmm. So we have Asha Rangappa, who's a former FBI special agent. She has some interesting things to say, but she is the one we could have looked to to say and what's happening now and who's being watched and how are they being watched. We didn't really hear a lot about control of the cults until, you know, the the, the coroners go in and, and tag all the bodies, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. several cults do have that attack mentality. I mean, the mm-hmm. Branch Davidians certainly had enormous amount of ordnance. That was defensive. But the Rajanishi were going to go and kill people eventually, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, peace, Poison, love. And- no- Poison, poison water supply, poison of water in a town. Mm-hmm. So there is a thought at the end about well, this was, and as I say in my experience, I've been approached with a flower or a book or whatever it might be, and we see hand roneoed leaflets and having to go out and proselytize and out of a, a group of a hundred that you speak to, a weekend of 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 robs that you go to, one person goes on to to join the cult and that's that's quite a mm-hmm. a broad net to cast with a small return now yeah. with the internet Murray, do you think that net is cast even more broadly but with much greater percentage of success that is exactly what i was about to say i really wish they had went um into like you said modern day maybe like a like a smidge of internet literacy because the new cults are on the web. That's, that's where it is. Like, yes, I can say I'm never walking into a community center to get waterboarded for a cult, but everybody logs onto their, their computer. Everybody finds their, their, their people through the computer now, especially after the pandemic. And this is how these movements get started. You know, January 6th didn't just happen one day. It was, it was, planned and plotted through 4chan and through other like social media platforms so i i do wish they had given us just a little bit of this is what modern day cults look like because very much a lot of these cults were based in the the 70s 80s and the 90s which Mm -hmm. is like sarah said that was like prime cult time like that was prime like cult picking yeah so scientology um, yeah. gets off pretty easy over here oh, oh I yeah believe oh they were never <laughs> they're very litigious mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like we're not touching them yeah. <laughs> yes yes i had half an ear out for scientology but not uh but perhaps that's telling you know perhaps that's telling in itself that we don't get any l ron hubbard who also started as something mm-hmm. else before mm-hmm. he became a cult leader and Sorry, sort of rather. lives, as we know, lives on, is still alive. Don't come and get me. What leaders? Mm-hmm. Where is mm-hmm. Shelley Miscavige? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's email is about to be mm-hmm. just full. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. At Rob. Uh, no. uh, <laughs> one of the wonderful parts for me about about the, the documentary is the narrator. Rob, how did he strike you? Yeah, I mean, it's so fun to have Peter Dinklage involved uh, with this. You know, he's really in his like Tyrion Lannister bag. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the only thing that I uh, wish that he would have like done a little bit of a, like a wink that somebody was talking about how, um, you know, at the end of you know the the last the last cult that they were talking about, like, okay, what's going to happen if there's no succession plan? They're like, well, it's basically. Game of Thrones, and like I was waiting for Peter Dinklage to yeah. say, <laughs> like, uh, "Oh, okay, I know how that is." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's yes. he's really really fun, and you know the perfect person to narrate this. Mm-hmm. Mari, you and Peter. Oh yeah, I huge Tyrion fan here, and he the the tone of his voice, the like the just the dry deadpan with just the sarcasm and it's just so perfect to just set the complete tone for the show he's like okay now that you've got your flock together we have to keep them that way like it, it's just so good it, it it really is so good and I'm I'm so glad that he's the voice of this of this series it seems like I, I'm very interested to see if they have another one um, teed up too. where would they where would they go next do you think I don't even know so they did how to become a tyrant how to become a cult leader 
Mm. How to become the king of England? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, England, Canada, Australia. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know, but it's just so it's just so fun. He he is he is like the piece that really sets it it all off. I think there's there's lots of good pieces here. He he, he's a a perfect piece to this. Another another like good piece to to this series is the the book chapter format uh, of the series. Yes, and I like that both Tyrant and this end, well, Tyrant ends with the talking heads, the experts, let's say, being asked who could, you know, what sort of person could become a Tyrant. They say, well, anybody, basically. Mm -hmm. And here at the end of How to Become a Cult Leader, they say, who who is the type of person? What what personality type gets drawn into a cult? Well, you. Mm -hmm. You, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, just as we start to wrap up, Rob, what are your final thoughts on this property? Yeah, I definitely feel like people uh, should check it out. It's a very easy watch. Um, you know, I knew it was six episodes coming in, but then to see that they were just 30 minute episodes, oh, this was uh, very bingeable. Uh, you know, I basically watched uh, the first couple last night and the last couple this morning and mm-hmm. uh, went by super quick. So uh, I really did enjoy this and uh, I appreciated uh, getting to talk about it. Wonderful. Mari? One of the things that I, I like that I, I want to talk about a little bit, they they uh, go through like the different tactics for each cult leader. Uh, they did this for Tyrant as well. And I love that it's like a, a buildup. You know, I like how they they name the episodes like episode one, build your foundation <laughs> episode two, grow your flock. Like I love how they're, how it is almost like feels like a step-by-step manual. And then they have like the tactics or it's like embrace your calling, find your target demo, make friends in high places, you know, expand your territory. Like just, just, just really interesting, fun breakdowns that also serve as as a perfect flow for the docuseries itself, because each tactic, each episode, it tells you exactly what it sections it off. So you know what you're going to talk about. So like one of the tactics force conformity, just like we talked about, like introducing uniforms and all of that. Like, I love how segmented the, the series is, how each episode flows into a next one and just the production value in general. Yes, I love this and Tyrant, but I don't think it's for everyone. I was highly recommending How to Become a Tyrant, uh, right, left and centre, and one friend of a certain nationality got back to me and said, I I, can't, I cannot watch this. I cannot watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and for him it was the, I suppose, uh, we didn't go into it because he was German, I suppose it was the non-serious tone or the apparent flippancy, but to Mm. me, it's not flippant. To me, I got, in both series, I got a depth of understanding that I hadn't had before. I mean, for Mm -hmm. me before, I thought, oh, cult leader, you can tell it's a cult because there's a charismatic leader who cannot be questioned and there's an idea of insiders and outsiders, and that probably would have been as much as I could have gone with my definition, but I think this gives me enormous insight into, as you say, the tactics, Mari, how Mm -hmm. they operate, particularly that friends in high places. We see again and again these cult leaders photographed with presidents, American Mm -hmm. presidents uh, and heads of state, politicians, uh, congressmen Mm -hmm. and so on. And you think this is deliberate. Well, what I do think that is sort of like useful and and maybe where we're talking about like at the end where, okay, maybe they could have done more to sort of like highlight sort of like the modern day cults that I I wonder if like that maybe it is more effective to sort of have this piece of media that sort of like outlines. This is how you know if you are in a cult as opposed Mm to where if they were to name certain things that are by definition a cult and you're in mm-hmm. like oh this is uh they're where they're picking on us as opposed to mm-hmm. like uh just sort of like opening your eyes to this is what a cult looks like this is what it feels like if you're hearing mm-hmm. this if you're hearing this you may be in a cult if, they, <laughs> if you try to if you try to have some other thought and then this happens to you again you're in a cult and i wonder if my, it could be like a little bit of a wake up call to some people who may not even realize they're in cults 
Yes, I particularly liked in the uh, Marshall Applewhite, the Heaven's Gate uh, uh, episode, that they talked about the thought terminating cliche, like how oh, you can yeah. shut down someone's thinking by a repeated phrase that they've heard before. And, uh, I mean, I'm interested in language and so language was very interesting to me, but that's not something I'd thought of before. So with, with both these these series, I definitely found things to ponder and think about. And also a thing can't be more than it is. This is brief, you know, 27-minute even episodes that give you, you know, a historical overview of a particular cult leader with reference to other cult leaders along the way inside this tongue-in-cheek format. So, yeah, we can't critique it for not being what it, for not being what it isn't, I suppose is what Uh I'm trying to say. right. So let's get to our ratings. Rob, how many magnifying glasses out of five are you going to rate how to become a cult leader? I will give it four magnifying glasses. Uh, This was very, very good. And, uh, you know, is it the kind of thing that I feel like uh, that people will be talking about for years and years? Probably not. Uh, But in terms of like a, a, you know, fun piece of media, uh, I definitely enjoyed it. So I'll, I'll say four out of five. And Mari, what about you for this docu-series? How many magnifying glasses? Yeah, I'll 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 go to four four point five out of five. Yeah, look at me, look at me. Um, mostly because Sarah, you do bring up a good point. This might be semi-triggering for some people. And if you don't get that, yeah, they're using levity, but they're talking about a serious situation, I could see how it could come off slightly offensive. But I think it does a good job of pointing out cult leaders, historical cult leaders that we know and that we don't know, effectively telling the story in a short, interesting package, and maybe making you interested in learning more about other different cult leaders that might not even be mentioned. Like they they really did talk about some cult leaders on the side that some people, like I didn't know about the Australian cult leader, uh, Sarah, and I, I was wondering if you knew about the Canadian, the Ant Hill uh, one, because that's one of the ones I just learned about like this this year or something like that. So I just think it d- did a really good job of maybe opening its its viewers to looking into some more uh, uh, cult media, shall we say? Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Well, I I'm struggling not to give it a five because I can't see what I'm give it a five if you want for. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does exactly what it sets out to do, and it does it superbly. So the marriage of the information and the way the information is laid out, this wonderful narrator, Peter Dinklage, that we're talking about, the visuals are fantastic. This is not a two-screener, folks. This is Mm -hmm. you're watching the screen. I think the length of the episodes is a revelation. It's like, yes, everybody should do, you know, short episodes. Don't do three episodes when you need two. Don't do 45-minute episodes when you need 27. And there were things that I knew, so I could go, yes, I was. I remember the Moonies. We called them the Moonies. I remember the Rajneeshi. We called them the Orange People. And I had three friends who were in the Rajneeshi and, and are no longer, uh, of course, so there were cults that I was familiar with, uh, Charles Manson. I have, for some reason, a particular interest in, particularly the women, not him mm-hmm. so much. But uh, when Leslie Van Houten was recently released, I mean, her parole has been blocked and blocked and blocked and blocked. She's She was 19. And as we know, he gets those Manson lamps on you <laughs> and you're a 19-year-old girl who comes from a difficult home. I mean, why aren't you going to do whatever he tells you? Because he loves you. So, yeah, there was familiarity there. But Butterfield, I was not at all familiar with. I couldn't believe I hadn't heard about Uh these sexy, sexy people not having (laughs) sex, except they are having sex. (laughs) So I would say it's not for everybody, but I'm not going to dock it for that because not everything Mm -hmm. is for everybody. Uh, So I am going to give it a five. Awesome. Wow. I, I was the lowest. I, I didn't. I didn't think that was going to happen. I'm just glad we found something for you to talk about that you liked. Because I thought if we give yeah. Rob, Rob one more thing to look at that he doesn't well, like, well, this was like again. could have been tonally certainly like heavier. That I, I appreciated the uh, like the levity in tone and 
Um, whereas I feel like that, like the last one we talked about with um, uh, what was uh, Dangerous the heart, the, yeah, the heart uh, brother, yeah, what was his name, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, or the heart cousin. It was sort of like that they were sort <laughs> yeah. of like glorifying him, uh, and it was like that. That one that was a little bit more icky uh, as opposed to this, which. Uh, I don't know. I thought they sort of like really pointed out like a lot of the flaws in the people that were, uh, you know, putting together these cults. Definitely. While never speaking down about the members. I mean, I think that was a beautiful line to to walk and they did it with Tyrant too. They never, I'm just realizing that now. They never watch say, that. oh, these stupid it's people good. followed like this tyrant or these stupid people fell into this cult. You never get that tone at all. Which, which I think is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're yeah. going to like How to Become a Tyrant. It has a more direct nod towards American politics than, than mm-hmm. this one. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mari, what do you have to recommend to our listeners today? Well, I am going to recommend on the Netflix YouTube, uh, Still Watching, that's, that's a Netflix YouTube account, Trixie and Katya, two of my it's favorite drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> they do a series called Still Watching, like I said, and they will periodically uh, review Netflix properties and Netflix will put it on their, on their YouTube. They're normally like anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes of them talking about the Netflix property. They show clips of it and stuff like that. And they did How to Become a Cult Leader uh, this past week, and it was hilarious. It was so funny watching them watch this whole entire series and to hear their thoughts on it. So, um, if you want like a fun, lighthearted take at how to become a cult leader, definitely go check them out over on a uh, Netflix YouTube page. They're so fantastic. Really, anything they touch is gold, but this one in particular, I think, because we knew the property so well. On a more serious note, do you have any properties to recommend that we've covered? Yes. If you want to watch or check out some other cult properties that we've covered here on Crime Scene, we recommend Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, Orgasm Inc., Gunther's Millions, and Waco American Apocalypse on Netflix, also Stolen Youth, and The Secrets of Hillsong on Hulu. Once you watch those, if you haven't already, you can then come back and listen to our episodes about those. Sarah, how about you? Well, our official unofficial third chair, Sarah D. Bunting, has sent us this recommendation. Jonestown, The Life and Death of People's Temple is a stunning doc from PBS that has stayed with me, me, her, for many years. Not currently available to stream, but if you can find an affordable copy on DVD, nab it. I would also uh, recommend the podcast, The Sunshine Place. I mentioned that earlier. That's about Synanon. It just came out a couple of months ago and is extremely good. There's Shiny Happy People on Amazon. If you're mm-hmm. interested in family cults, my goodness. Because, you know, it must be said, and what wasn't said is there can be cults of two with this coercion. I mean, people can use that playbook to control one or thousands. And if you're interested, like Mari, in the Australian cult leader Anne Hamilton Byrne, she was mentioned briefly in the docuseries, you can check out The Cult of the Family, which is available on ABC iView. We'll put all these titles in the show notes. I would also just like to to second that the Jonestown, the life and death of People's Temple recommendation. I too have watched that. I think that was the um, main documentary that I watched on Jonestown. It's like she said, it's from PBS and it has stuck with me the same way. It's everything that I know about Jonestown, I think initially came from that property. And then of course, last podcast on the left, uh, I I know I, I recommend them every week. They have a podcast on every single cult that was in this, this docuseries, except for the Bootfield one. I want to, I want to say. At Crime Scene, we're eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene R-H-A-P. That's S-E-E-N. And yes, I said Twitter. And email us at Crime Scene R-H-A-P at gmail.com. 
We're on TikTok at crime.scene and on Instagram, threads, and Facebook at Crime Scene Podcast. Uh, please remember to subscribe to our feed by going to robhaswebsite.com slash crime feed. It makes a big difference. It does indeed. So, Rob, where, what have you got going on and where can the people find you? Oh, we've got everything going on with Big Brother right now. Uh, so it's going to be a wild couple of months. So uh, everything we're doing for all the reality TVs at robisawebsite.com. Anything that you're particularly interested in that isn't Big Brother? Oh, Sarah. Uh, well, yes, Rob. Yes, uh, <laughs> we have a lot of fun covering Claim to Fame uh, this season. So uh, you could join us for coverage of that. And you know, we get to do fun stuff all the time between the different podcasts. So, uh, you know, check it out. There's always something to listen to. Wonderful. And Mari, what have you got going on and where can the people find you? Of course, on the Wrestling Wrap Up, me and Matt Scott uh, talk about the week in wrestling. You can go to robhaswellwebsite.com slash wrestling feed in order to subscribe to us there. Or you can check us out on the Rob Has a Podcast YouTube page where we have lots of fun, different guests talking about the weird, wacky, wonderful world of wrestling. I am also heavy, heavy in the BB streets. So mm -hmm. uh, go and find my find me on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's too like the number two, where I am just constantly retweeting, tweeting Big Brother stuff right now. Um, having a blast. Uh, I will be on a lot of Big Brother coverage. So just make sure you follow me on Twitter. So I, when I tweet it out, you'll see it. Sarah, what about you? Uh, well, I, I'm getting all my BB from from Twitter. So follow the uh, RHAP podcasters on Twitter and you'll feel like you're watching the show. It's yeah. actually, I, I, I'm serious. I, I love being able to catch up just on my Twitter feed. Uh, you can follow me on all social media at Sarah Carradine. Over on Silent Podcasts, I'm covering season one of The Traders New Zealand and season two of The Traders Australia with Ninja Warrior Sean Bryan. So join us and our guests, including players in the current seasons and a previous winner for all the murder, mayhem, distrust, strategy and jolly good times. So Australia started this Sunday just past and our podcast will drop in a couple of days. Next time on Crime Scene, we're covering Missing, the Lucy Blackman case with the aforementioned Sarah D. Bunting. Watch it on Netflix and send us your comments and questions. Thanks to Rob Sestanino for joining us, Will from America for the theme music, and the whole RHAP team behind the scenes. Until next time, case, case closed. closed.